Welcome back to Trade Up with TJ, talking all things health, wealth, business, and lifestyle for tradies. Got a special guest on today, Matt from TC Boxes, co-founder and CEO. Welcome, big fella. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, obviously, exciting times for you, mate, uh, getting into the podcasting landscape, but um, I'm excited to be on and you know, tell a bit about my story and, um, yeah, certainly things I learned along the way and... Like you say, mate, health and wealth and um, yeah, all things business. So, um, yeah, let's get stuck into it. Oh, beautiful, mate. Pleasure to have you. Man of your ability and what you've created. Um, it's pretty powerful. So introduce us to when TC Boxes was founded and how it all sort of started. Yeah, I mean, I'll take you back to uh, 2016. Uh, it's probably when the TC Boxes was founded. But uh, even before that, mate, I was... Uh, always sort of entrepreneurial and um, you know, I was gifted um, with a, a father who sort of had those traits as well. So I, I was very fortunate. I was able to learn a lot from him, maybe a bit like what his mistakes were. Yep. Um, he's sort of that you know, typical entrepreneur that you know, goes between different projects and you know, never really cracks it that big. So, um, But to my old man's credit, he's always had a go. So he's yep. a... Um, He's a risk taker, he's a gambler, and um, you know, that sort of rubbed off on me early days, but, um, which has been a, you know, a, a blessing. You, know, you look at things in your life and some of the negative things you have to sort of say, well, actually, that's probably more of a blessing you know, upon reflection, which yep. certainly that side of it is because you wouldn't do anything uh, like what we've done if you weren't a risk taker. Yeah, very true. Um, so let's go back to you know, 2016. Uh, I'm at uni. Um, uh, studying primary school education. Yep, yep. And I reckon I'm in my second year and that would have been in my first year, first year of uni and um, my uh, wife, not my wife at the time, Lisa, she was a paramedic and we were expecting our first child maybe. No, not yet. Not yet. Not there yet. This. <laughs> <laughs> Bit ahead of your felt. <laughs> I'm gonna get all this buddy lined up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think to go back further, mate, we try and sort of build an idea of how we got started. Um, prior to TC, my wife had her horse float taken. Um, multitude of different circumstances around that, but. Um, that led to us making the decision to import two horse floats and off the back of importing those two horse floats which um, had a pretty mixed bag of results yeah um, a good friend of ours uh, Mitch decided um, he you know we had a conversation one day about some toolboxes and you know, he had the idea of maybe importing some toolboxes and um, I think from that point we I did a bit of research based off my experience on the horse floats and I sort of come back to Mitch and said, look, mate, look, we can go into it. It's probably going to cost about 40 grand. Um, I think Mitch, you know, he dealt with that for a bit and we sort of went, all right, let's go half. So uh, here we are, 2023, probably nearly exactly seven years since the first toolboxes arrived and since we sort of founded the company and um, – yeah, we're well, what are we eighteen thousand square meters under under roof line? I think we just yeah. worked out before. Yeah. So, uh, which is you know, ridiculous to think that's our four and a half acres for those following along at home. Um, 
that's in warehouses across the country and um you know we've got over 90 employees and you know about to open our fifth store and i think mate i mean there's obviously a lot of things that's happened in the last seven years and i think that's what we'll probably dive deeper into it didn't just happen overnight and there's been a lot of trials and tribulations um to get there so yeah we've obviously uh enjoyed a lot of success and you uh yeah it's a it's a interesting part of the success journey is sort of just how um i guess how it plays out yeah once people realize yeah is, is probably what i am realizing at the moment so yeah um, that's powerful so like bringing it back to that entrepreneur sort of mindset you've always had and obviously be, being at uni you would say to study and be a school teacher what had you always had that entrepreneurial mindset in a way even though you were at uni studying or was there always any little side hustles you always had on the go when you were younger or not yeah i mean that's a pretty good question eh? um i reckon if i was to think back to some of my earliest memories uh as a kid we were selling eggs and flowers and random shit by the roadside like me and my two sisters so um that i think that speaks volumes about sort of our upbringing but maybe a little bit about our personalities as well. Like yep. it was always encouraged and fostered for us to be um, you know, doing something for a dollar. So now that has its positives and negatives, I think. But yep. you, know, you take the positives from that and that is that um, you know, you're not afraid to sell stuff. So yep. whether that be yourself or uh, a product or you know, and you're always you know, you're getting feedback and you, you go from there. But um, a bit closer to when the journey started, you know, we think about primary school education. Um, I've got three young kids of my own. I love kids. Um, I think that's, you know, who I, um, well, it's what I, one of my passions in life has been a good father. But um, I think my dad's a school teacher. Um, my sister's a school teacher. My grandma's a school teacher. My auntie's a school teacher. Um, my brother-in-law's a school teacher. I'm just surrounded by them. Yep. So it must be either something in the, uh, in the gene pool, so part of our belief structure. I don't really know where that sort of desire to teach comes from, but yep. um, certainly when I had to give it up, it was a tough call. Uh, yep. I had to, I think that was late in 2017 at the end of my second year of um, teaching education, I had to actually give it up to go full time in the business. And that probably seems like an easy call now, but at yeah. the time it was a bit like, oh, you know, like how do I give up what, you know, potentially could be a good future for this. Oh, as you know we're a year and a half into our journey yeah and it was like this daunting uh crossroad intersection you know if i had have been a little bit less of a risk taker in that moment part of me probably would have made that call so uh being the risk taker enabled that decision and just you know a bit of a fuck it mentality and um yeah we 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 went for it and yeah paid off but uh yeah mate um always been entrepreneurial uh before tc and what was certainly in its infancy we were um trialing different products and you know, always looking for um uh, what could be a good product so um yeah always always um looking at different i guess avenues and yeah revenue streams and yeah, and then and that first, obviously, you're saying the 
going halves with Mitch in the first time. Like we were just doing that out of your backyard, just got the shipping container in and just Yeah, so we've had that happen. Let's dial right back yeah. to July twenty first, twenty sixteen, our first twenty foot container of toolboxes arrived and um they were you know, fairly well constructed toolboxes that we were pretty happy with that we knew we could probably sell. So yeah. um, there were three different sizes of a similar product. Yeah. And I think it was about 51 of them. And we went, okay, holy shit, how are we going to sell these? So um, you know, I had a 63 square meter shed down the back of our property and uh, we filled that up with the toolboxes and um, I, just, I just went about like different ways of selling them. So... Um, at the time, I, I think from the horse floats, I was you know, building website, um, building a Facebook page and learning a lot about Facebook and website building and yep. development and all that sort of stuff. So I think intuitively, I sort of knew that that was going to be the way forward. And you see a lot of companies advertising on social media and they get really good traction and you know, it was just a really easy way to get the word out that yep. we're a business and you, know, you could buy stuff from us. So yep. um, I think... The website didn't come until a little bit later, but certainly the Facebook page was the first thing that I really worked on and honed. And um, I think you think back to 2016 and sort of in that mid-adoption cycle, there was obviously a lot of early adopters yeah, well, far before me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, running Facebook ads and Instagram ads then wouldn't have been a very big thing. Would have cost you probably five cents for an ad though back then. Now it's a bit more than that. Oh, 100%. Um, and yeah. like the whole landscape's changed. Yeah. If you're not a professional doing it now, you probably can't succeed. But yeah. uh, back then you could just cowboy it and have a go. And yeah, I think we're in a interesting niche where there wasn't a lot of competition, yeah. um, especially on social media. So there might have been competition, but that's not a platform that they were using. Yeah. So we were able to go on social media, spread a bit of a brand image and portray an image that maybe um, wasn't not quite our reality. We can yep. to maybe extend the truth a little bit, but you know, maybe act and um, be perceived as a bit more of a professional business. Yep. Yep. And in that early infancy part, and you know, look back at our Facebook posts seven years ago, mate, you'll just about fall off your chair. Like, yeah, yeah. They're horrible, but... Yeah. Uh, for the time, that was, I think that was what it was expected. But yeah. So, yeah, we were able to, um, you know, get into the, um, get into the toolbox game pretty easily. Like, yep. you know, you think about the level of competition in the space and, yeah, that was, was pretty negligible. Um, whereas now it's just full on. Yeah, um, there's a few more competitors out there now probably and probably noticed what you've created as well and thought, let's jump on the bad wagon with yours in a way or what would you reckon? Yeah, I mean, it's the ultimate form of flattery, isn't it? Yep. The, uh, the, 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 the copycat um, syndrome. So, I mean, that's happened to us a couple of times and, um, you know, I think to develop a product, you know, there's two ways to do it. You can um, think of your own ideas and... Um, come up with different concepts and be the first to bring something to market, which gives you a really good first mover advantage, which yep. is awesome. Um, but there's another way to make um, products and that's just copy what's out there. Yeah. And the copy what's out there is what 90% of product development is because that's easier, quicker. And to be honest, you probably make more um, in the short term by doing that. I think what you lose though is a, 
so that brand identifi- identification of yep. being uh, first to market with a with a, yep. with a product that is um, is unique. So yep. you, yep. you get a if you bring something to market that is uh, unique, you get a longer um, time frame or time span to build market share. And once yep. you've built that market share, it's pretty hard to lose it, really. Yep, 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. How long did those first 50 or so to take you to sell? Oh, um, I reckon there was there was a particular size that was pretty slow. Yep, yep. Um, I think the 1200s and the 1500s moved pretty quick. Um, and then the 900s, the little bangers, they were, I took a while to sell. But yep. um, I think Mitch and I were pretty, were pretty confident that we were going to need, I think, a bigger range. Yeah. Um, memory's a little hazy, but I think from memory we had a net the second container ordered before the first one even landed. Yeah. And we, we just thought, let's just let's just go. Let's just do as much as we can. So I think from memory, Mitch put the first like twenty grand in. Um I was doing a lot of the work on Facebook and ordering and all that sort of stuff. So that was you know pretty fair at the at the time. And by the time um we sold the horse float. Yeah, you know, got to think we're trying to sell a bloody horse float at the same time. <laughs> yeah, here, so yeah, yeah. We're um, yeah, we've got this horse float that we're trying to get rid of. I think we've got twenty five grand on it, and uh, it finally sells. And that's a bloody good horse float. I think it's still still going around now. So um, no issues there. But uh, if they had a warranty claim, it probably would have been um, too crash hot. But uh, thankfully, it's. Panned it all right for them. Yeah, through, yeah. We, we've sold the horse float. We've got the twenty-five grand cash injection. We've um, I've had to say the lease. So she, I think she wanted to put it back into the home loan because we refinanced the house. Just drop your phone. Sorry, um, we refinanced the house to afford the horse floats. Yeah. Anyway, risk-taking behaviour again. So um, anyway, so we've done that. We've taken about forty grand out. Bought the horse floats. Got twenty-five for one of them. Lisa's got a replacement horse float. Happy days. She wants to put that twenty five grand back on the mortgage. Makes sense. And I say to her, "Hang on a minute. We've got to put it back into the business. This business here. We're halves with Mitch." And at that point, she's like, "You're fucking kidding me." Yeah. Um, and I think that was the best thing that's ever happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, I mean, if we didn't do that, you know, we may have. Yeah, we, we, I think in that second container we had some our first iteration of a dog box. We had uh, a couple of canopies. We had a you know a few different toolboxes. Like we just tried a few different things. It was yeah. a forty foot container. We we're able to get a lot more different things in there. Anyway, I put these dog boxes that we got up. Um, that we got in we, again. You go back to this product development side of things and sort of this sketch that Mitch and I drew out from seeing a few other dog box designs on the market but there was no other sort of mass produced dog box around like just none yep. it's not like it is today you search dog box on google there'd be 20 um but but you look at um back then there was just nothing that was mass yep. produced so we, we brought out this um, dog box it cost us nothing we're still paying the same what we paid then as what we are now and um we brought this dog box out i put it up on facebook and then within oh, i would say 
18 hours, they were all sold. We had about, I think we had six of these dog boxes. I mean, like that doesn't sound like a lot now, but at that stage of the business, that was nine grand of turnover in a day. And we were like, holy shit. Yeah. I think I think this could really go. Like this style of box that is across the tray rather than a toolbox down one side. And you know, Mitch had had a lot of frustrations with his canopy. He's a chippy, so yeah. he had a lot of frustrations with his canopy uh, from a competitor. And um, he was just cracking the shits one day and just thought, you know, there's nothing out there that is exactly what it should be. It should be better than what it is. And we just went about making a product that was, um, I guess, the first part of our business is it has to be mass produced. So yeah, um, that could be mass produced. So it has to be a certain size. And we went about, you know, what does it need to be? And I think that's where the idea for our liftoff canopies come from. And oh, mate, by by the time we we're about six months into our journey, we've got all these different products floating around and yeah. you know, brought in this steel toolbox range and a funny story behind that. Um, so we brought in this, no, I think it was our third container maybe. And this was about yeah. November, December of 2016. So still running it from home then? Yeah, still running yeah. it from home. Um, by, by this point, the 20-footer of toolboxes at the very start is – pretty much all sold, a couple of 900s left. The second um, container that had a wide range but not a lot of stock uh, was hit and miss. Like some products sold really quick and we're like, shit, let's order more of them. Yeah. Um, some products we've probably still got today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't like, yeah. I don't know what where they are and what they're doing. But anyway, so we're, we're working through our stock. We've got another container on the way and it's a – I still remember this bloke. Um, I'm not sure if I should, should say his name, but um, we worked on a design with him and I still talk to him today and he gives me stick about it every time. We worked on a design with him um, for five toolboxes for his plumbing company, made out of steel with drawers and we got this design. We got the toolboxes over. He loved them, thought they were great. And we're like, okay, maybe we should do more of those toolboxes because if he liked them and they were good, well... Let's do them. So we thought, all right, four sizes, 900s, 1200s, 1500s, and we're going to throw in 1800s because that's a you know, typical dual cap size. So we thought, bugger it, let's do 1800s. Let's get them all with the drawers because that seems to be the way to go. Let's make them out of two mil steel. Yeah. And they'll be really strong and durable and, oh, yeah, it'd be good. All right. Anyway, so sent that across to the Chinese supplier and we've got the first five over in between sending that order and uh, and uh, sorry getting the sample order of the ones we designed and then the master order with the with the larger quantities and the different sizes and whatnot we got the first five over for the customer yeah and they were about 200 kilos per toolbox we had no way of moving them um, so we just had to literally manhandle these 200 kilo toolboxes around the bikes picked him up he's still happy with them he's like no nah, no Travis you will be fine yeah, yeah. L- we're literally trying to move these things around just by manpower <laughs> and we're thinking fuck me how we're we going to container we're coming. a whole <laughs> container coming we have no forklift we have no trolley we've got no, no ways to actually deal with these products 
And at the time, they weren't even on pallets. They were just on cardboard boxes. Yeah. Because, like, we didn't ask for pallets, so we didn't get pallets. Yeah. And it was like, holy shit, what have we done? Anyway, this 40-footer of steel toolboxes, I'll never forget it. Mate, it come on, it was a Friday afternoon. It was a 35-degree day. And we had two hours to unload these 200-kilo toolboxes with no forklift and no what anyway so i rung up a couple of mates you know one was pretty pretty strong thank god um and another was you know me, me best mate but um he helped for about an hour then had to go and then me other mate you know, he stayed until stumps but um i think three and a half hours later the con- the container was empty but my front yard my next to the house and everything was just littered with these 200 kilo bricks of steel and we're like holy sh- shit what are we gonna do like we're we're actually stuffed here yeah yeah so we just left them out overnight <laughs> <laughs> overnight no one's gonna pick no. them up and take <laughs> them they can't <laughs> we're like you know what what what's the worst thing that happens some, some poor prick comes and tries to lift one up and he can't and he just moves on like no one's gonna steal these because you just can't yeah. so we've left them out we thought all right we've got to do something to get these toolboxes in the shed and we thought all right Ray, my wife's um, uncle, knew a bloke who had a forklift shop. Uh, next day, we, we've managed to commandeer a forklift. Down comes a forklift. And we had no real great access to our back shed. It was more or less shed, grass, then driveway. Yeah. Um, and we're thinking, oh, maybe the, the forklift should be all right. It's not that heavy yet. Yeah. And, but you know, forklifts don't really go well off concrete yeah yep. and we're driving this bloody forklift down with a couple of toolboxes on it down to the back shed to you know, put them put them away essentially and we get the forklift bogged and it starts spinning and we try and put the bloody uh, bit of tim timber under the wheel you know, finally get it out and we think all right we'll learn a bit from that let's not do that again come back up Grab another couple of toolboxes, go back down, forklift gets bogged again. I'm, at this point, I'm thinking, no, this is fucked. We're just absolutely, we, we can't take these things down with this thing that's not designed to put them in the shed, which is not going to happen. So we had four steel toolboxes down the back shed and a bog forklift, and we had another, it would have been another 60 steel toolboxes still to move. Yeah. Yep. And we thought, oh, they're steel. We can't really leave them out in the rain because. Yeah, there's probably a, 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 at risk of rusting or even the boxes getting soggy would have been a pain in the ass. So yep. we thought, well, we're going to have to put them in the garage. Um, and so we put half them in the garage and then we thought, all right, well, that's getting pretty full now. There's a there's room for a car. And bear in mind, we've, I think we're expecting our first child in about three months. And yep. so Lisa, my wife, just like, you're not putting any more toolboxes in there, toolboxes in there because I can't park the car and I'm not taking the car out with a newborn in the rain and i was like that's fair enough all right yeah. cool so we thought all right let's fill up next to the shed get some big tarps and like that'll be sweet awesome so mate the trials and tribulations that have gone into just getting from a first container to our third container fourth container and then not having any room and oh mate We've bogged the forklift. We've got toolboxes outside on the <laughs> yeah, tarps. Yeah. We've got the garage half full. And I think at this point, like like I just said to you, we're, we're actually 
doing okay. We're turning over some, you know, we had good days, we had bad days. Um, I'm, you know, distracted at work. I was working at the bloody dogs. I was building websites whilst driving the lure. Mate, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that's another one. One day I crashed the lure and I was on my computer building a website. And um, I don't know how I didn't lose my job, but yeah, it was at the Hillsville Greyhounds and it was, uh, it was a funny day. It's, uh, <laughs> maybe not. It's, no. a whole, it's a literally a whole other podcast. But <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so we're, um, you know, I think at this point it's November going into December. We trade for a little bit. We move a few toolboxes and we've got another container coming in February. And Lise just looks at me with a very like stern look. And that look to me is like, do something or yeah <laughs> you're in trouble look and i'm still get that today but um at that point i sort of went okay something's got to change our first child's due now in three months and um it's time to actually legitimize this business a little bit this is early 20 2017 what's that we're six seven months into our journey and you know things are going okay so we uh, have a chat to Mitchie and we decide, okay, we're going to move all the stock um, into a little warehouse in Packenham. It was about 260 square metres. Yeah, yeah. We thought, this is it. We put some racking in. Actually, no, we didn't do that straight away. We just filled the floor space up, 260 square metres. We thought 63 square metres shed, garage, side of garage, about 100 square metres. Yep. Didn't even fill half of it. Put all the stock down there and that was great. Solved all my problems at home and... We had a bit of a home for the business and yeah. we built this makeshift office. Mitch being a chippy helped with that. And we thought at that point, oh, we, we think, that's all you want. We yeah. think we've made it. Yeah. Um, and by the end of that year, so that first financial year, that 2017 year, we turned over uh, about 368,000 in that first year. Yeah. And we thought, you know what? This little side hustle that we've got going, this is actually starting to really go. Like we we might, um, and we might be buddy able to do this as a job. Like yeah. this, this could be buddy good. Like, be nice to not have to, you know, go and build houses anymore. And Mitchie was getting sick of the chip. His back yeah. was stuffed, and um, I was just floundering around doing, doing the uni and. Um, I think by the end of that year, I had my first kid, and that was exciting. Yeah, yeah, it was you know, all, all good. But yeah, it was like maybe business is better than uni and better than education, and um, yeah, it was sort of this big exciting thing that was sort of happening at that time. So yeah, yeah, um, that's sort of where we're at. Yeah, so leaning into that, obviously, like, and then getting your first factory to what it is today, like, and as you said, we've got eighteen thousand squares under roof. <laughs> which is pretty crazy to look at and thinking you're in obviously in a few different states now, like from what you and Mitch have created, like it's pretty powerful to think that risk taking, how far it does get you as well. Like you've got to have a bit of risk in you to be able to evolve as a human, I believe. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I think even the basis of risk, there's risk in hunting. Yeah. So like even prehistoric human has to take risks to live. Yeah. 
So it should be part of your day-to-day being is that risk-taking is acceptable. And everyone takes risks. You take yeah. a risk by getting in a car every day to drive yeah. to work. Yeah. But that, that, that's still a risk. But your level of risk does determine your success in life. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, And that's what I always say. Do something that nearly scares you if you are scared of failure in a way to be able to take that risk and lean right into that to be able to understand how far you can go. Yeah, and like I think before going on this podcast, Lee said to me, don't say anything that incriminates yourself. I'm going to because it's funny and it should be said. <laughs> um, but she said, yeah, don't, don't do anything that's going to incriminate you. But I was like, all right, cool, I won't do anything. But I was like, uh, that just made me think. We, just after moving to that, factory in 2017 didn't we had some not, short-term cash flow issues built around the amount of stock that we're ordering because yep. we thought we've got this bigger space let's order some more stock yeah and you know, we're still selling it okay but it was like come on we really need to get this business going so we're investing more and more money into it and i think mitchie um he put in another 10k and at that point it was like he'd put in a bit more money than I had, probably probably that 10K. And I was like, you know, at least we've got this bill due. Like, it's our turn to put some money in. Pardon me. We've really got to, we've actually really got to come to the party here. Otherwise, it's yeah. you know, not going to struggle, but it's just going to flounder around for a bit and slow us down. So we thought, fuck it. We'll just put a $10,000 credit card transaction through on the business. Yeah. And that'll give us 10K. Yeah. So I think that's like, very frowned upon. Don't do that. But um, all right, it's probably illegal. So just don't do it. <laughs> but that's the sort of risk we're willing to take at that point. Yeah. It was like, you know what? For us to get $10,000 into the business, this is the only way we can do it. We're fucking doing it. Yeah. So that's way outside probably the acceptable risk level that you're probably yeah. might be able to do. But if you need funding for your business, there are creative ways to do it. Take risks to do it because – your business is a reflection of you and if you're any good, your business will be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, realising that risk as well of like everyone's risk levels are different but yeah, you're obviously saying you've had to take that risk to be able to get to the next level of where you are and where you want to go. Otherwise, you said it would have get a bit funny with their, that situation. So obviously, fast forward a little bit, obviously over the journey of the next probably, what are we, 23? What, how many years is that now? What are, you, what are you now? What, seven. Seven years. So the next few years, obviously, from the factory years in, did you just move around a little bit, having to get bigger factories, or did it just sort of like evolve and go from there, or did you just sort of want it to level up, or did you just fi- keep finding that niche in the market to sort of keep growing as much as you just did? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the niche we operate in, um, I think most of the audience would probably be aware, but... Um, trays, canopies, toolboxes, but yep. we didn't always have trays. It's probably only the last couple of years, but yep. um, certainly in that 2017 period, we, had, we leased a factory. It was a February, February 2017. We moved there. It was a two-year lease, and we thought, oh, this would be piece easy. We'll set this out. Yep. Um, in that time, in that two years between February 2017 and February 2019. We'd taken up some temporary storage in the factory two doors down. We'd taken up the mezzanine of a factory across the road and we were 
very quickly running out of space for all the stock we're ordering um, by around December 2018. So at that point, we were like, this is getting ridiculous again. It was a bit like the garage. It was shit on top of shit. There was stuff yep. in the aisles. You, know, you talk about risk-taking. Uh, we got a, um, I'm not sure if anyone's heard of the company called Moolah, but they're like a low-doc finance company that you, know, you just pretty much apply for credit and they'll give it to you, but it's at fucking stupid rates. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we got a $50,000 Moolah loan to get more stock in because we just knew that these products were going to sell. Anyway, so long story short is we've just filled the joint up with stock. We're pulling shit in and out every day of this 260 square meter warehouse. And we're like, all right, we got, we're just going to level up here. There was a 960 square meter warehouse around the corner. And yep. we thought, bugger it, we're going there. It'd be perfect. We'll be able to just set up. There was a little showroom at the front, better than the little showroom we had at the 260. I'm telling you, like, it was not covered. As it was part of the factory, it was yep. ridiculous. So, anyway, we moved to this nine sixty square meter joint. We put the racking in. We put the little office in at the front. We're thinking, "Yep, this is Mickey Mouse." That was December twenty eighteen. So, yep. um, so you didn't even see out your two year lease. <laughs> no, well, I mean, we we spent two months cleaning the joint up and yeah, yep. handed it back in good order. So, um, yeah, that was probably. I think what I learned in that phase is you have to almost just live the process you can't you can't just get the 960 square meter warehouse straight away because yeah. you'll never make it in you'll never make it out of there yeah. it's probably the learning for me upon reflection so do it as fucking hard as you have to do it yeah in the time so that you don't have to do it hard later yeah and we same thing happened in the 960 square meter joint. By the end of that first year, we signed a three-year lease there. By the end of that first year, we were like, it's happening again. We've got stuff in the aisles. We've got, we're pulling stuff in and out every day. We just can't keep doing this. It's ridiculous. We need more stock. We've got more range here. And it's like, we started with three toolboxes, right? By this yep. point, we're probably up to 100. Yep. And right now, we've got uh, 800. Yep. So 800 SKUs. Um, yep. Stock keeping unit. Those following at home. <laughs> um, but that's just like a code for a product. Anyway, so we're we're up to probably 100 products by this point. We still don't have trays, but we're doing canopies. We're doing lots and lots of yep, canopies. Yep. And you know, this is a product that we launched in, I'd say, at the end of that first year um, at the first factory. And we're like, all right, this is flying. We're selling them everywhere. The website's really starting to come to its own. I built the website myself. And... Yeah, it's all just like a hustle mentality at this point. So yep. it's still just Mitch and I. I think at the end of that 2018 year, we'd turned over just shy of a million. Yeah. And it was like, you're kidding me. How did we not get to a million? Yeah. I'm on that seven figures. Yeah, it was yep. 998,000. It still haunts me. <laughs> I hated it. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so we were, and then where are we now? We're at, uh, give me timelines, right? So moved into that second factory. And then, yeah, at the end of that year, so that 2019 sort of timeline, uh, we've moved again just down the road. But yep. this one was 1,500 square metres and had a better showroom, more office space. And we're like, yeah, sweet, this will be good. Yep. And we'll still keep that other 900 because yep. we've still got two years to go on the lease. Yeah, It's not what we thought initially. We thought, oh, yeah, we'll just lease it out to someone else and 
but no one wanted to lease factories at that point. So we're like, yep. it's probably a blessing in disguise. And we tried for I think three months to get it released and then yep. pulled the pin on that. So yeah, by the end of 2019, um, we turned over, when their financial year 29, 2019, we turned over 2.2. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, two point yeah. two, and it was like, yeah, cool. This is this is going pretty well, and we, yeah, got the uh, website, uh, website, bloody hell, the factory up the road, fifteen hundred squares, kept the nine hundred, so twenty four hundred squares, solved all our stock issues. Yep. Until I didn't, and by May twenty twenty one, we're in a purpose built, uh, five and a half thousand square meter warehouse in. Green Hills Road there. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that, that's where we are today in Vic. And it doesn't stop there. <laughs> yeah, it goes a few others and we'll go into there in a minute. So in saying that, like that exponential growth you've had over those oh, first three or four years, like it's pretty crazy that quick growth. Was it like, were you enjoying the process as well? Like were you thriving in it? Yeah. Just hustling? So, I mean, you think about... The mindsets, there's different mindsets required for each level of business and yep. I, I firmly believe this and you can start as the greatest person in, in the world. You can start a business as the greatest person in the world but you still have to have a mindset like you are nothing. Yeah. Because you can't build something of substance without having l built it from the ground up. So yep. you can start with more capital when you get there quicker. You can yep. start with a, a better team when you get there quicker. But you're still going to start with nothing. Yep. You're still going to start at, at zero. Um, and then you're just going to work every day to build that up. So I, I talk about different mindsets required. I think right back to the start of the business, 2016, you know, we're just young and impressionable and uh, happy to, I guess, develop our concepts and our ideas and – just see where the wind takes us a little bit. Yep. And I think having that freedom and uh, enabled us to make a lot of quick decisions and 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 go to the market, get feedback, um, and certainly, uh, I guess, rehash the products based off that feedback and then provide a better product to the market, yep. get get more feedback, go back to the supplier, rehash the product, bring another product. And we're, and we're doing products three, four, five, six different times. Same product, just improving it slightly as, as the yep. journey goes. To the point where our products now are pretty bulletproof. Uh, yep. you know, they're pretty basic as a product, but they're not, really too, not too many moving parts. But for the what the audience want, what they've told us that they want, we're providing it. Yeah, and they tried and tested as well. And that's that lit yep. literally all we've done from day one is put a market out, uh, sorry, put a product out to the market. What's the market telling us about our product? What changes do we need to make? Let's make those changes. The market's happier. Yep. And then... The happier your market, the better your business. Yeah. So yep. the easier word of mouth is. The word of mouth is the biggest gold in business. Yeah. You have someone talk about your business. Pardon me. Oh, there we go again. Might have to edit that bit. <laughs> oh. If you have someone talk about your business to another person and you didn't have to be in that conversation, you're going to fucking win. Yep. Like you're just going to win. Anyway, let's talk about different mindsets. Go back to 2016 and we're just hustling. Like we're just hustle mindset. Um, I've built the website myself. Um, I knew nothing about websites. It was just like, can't be that hard. Let's just build it. Yep. And you've got nothing to lose at that point. So, you know, be the best person in the world. You've got nothing to lose. Take big risks. Who cares? Like you can just 
evolve yourself, your mindsets, your learnings. Everything is really, really quick. Yeah. So um, I put a bad Facebook post out there. Didn't get any likes, didn't get any comments. Well, what's that telling me? It's probably shit. Probably shit content. No one wants yep. to absorb it. No. All right. Maybe I'll take a better photo, do, do a better blurb. And what I realized quickly is just being yourself to an audience is probably the key to that early stage success where they're just – people will buy off you yep. if you're just authentic. If you're just, yeah. if you're just creating a – not a friendship but like a, a likable persona. Yeah. So don't be a dick. Don't be like don't marginalize or ostracize people, but be personable. Show some personality. Um, own your mistakes. Yeah. Ask for feedback. Get that feedback. Listen. Observe. Learn. Develop. Yeah. Yeah. And you say there as well, like it's pretty crazy. Look at it, like the success you've created as well with the business, but even the marketing side. You say word of mouth is the biggest one, which is like especially with internet these days, social media, the power of the internet, like, but word of mouth is still so strong. Like, it's just crazy. That, like, coming out of your mouth, it's like, you find that's one of the biggest sellers still. Oh, it's, it, I, I will say this in the other way. It's, it's equally, and if not more important, the other way as well. So yep. negative word of mouth is the you know, quickest way to zero yep. for a successful company. So um, you think about... Word of mouth is what are the conversations people are having about you and your business. Yep. So if I had just met Tyler from um, ENC Joinery and he was a great guy and he had a great service and I tell someone about that, that's great. You're probably going to get a lead from that and it's up to you to convert that. But my recommendation to them is very powerful, the most powerful form of marketing. Yep. If my conversation to them is, oh, yeah, Tyler's a dick. Yep. And he's from ANC Joinery and they're all wankers. Well, are they going to buy from you? No. Shit, yeah. no. Like, they're just never yep. going to buy from you. So, uh, probably lesson one, don't be a dick. Yep. Two, have people that care in, in your company. Um, obviously, when it's small, it's you and you're going to care. So, like, that, you're already going to tick that but. You're going to tick that box. But I think, yeah, certainly in that environment, in that real infancy stage of the business, having that mindset of creating authentic relationships with your customers is key. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere, so important, like the – I mean, been like that Simon sitting or something like the the most important customers are your first five customers. Yeah. You treat them like absolute royalty, and they'll tell everyone forever. Yeah. And yeah. then watch it snowball from there. Yeah, and it just grows. Yeah, yeah. word of mouth. Yeah, it just shows how powerful it is. And obviously, like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> just show how powerful it is, and being a good bloke works, doesn't it? Well, I mean, I think one thing we were talking before we started about was network. Yeah. And I, I'm very in Just uh, flip my mic. Might need it a bit. No, I'll be right. Keep it in there. Keep the bloopers oh. in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was horrible. A little word vomit. Um, so one thing I think, you know, going back to that 2016 time frame is I had a pretty solid uh, football network. Yeah. Um, and... 
I relied heavily on that network to um, be, become customers of the business. So, yep. and it and it's still true today. I've still got people from football networks um, you know, buying from our company, and it's just the ultimate like respect cycle for me is that I I don't think it's the quality of my relationship with these people. I don't think that's what it is at, at all. But the respect that they're showing me and the business that we've created. I just can't be any more grateful for. And it's like, you want to buy from people. So that's probably the other thing I could talk about is no one wants to be sold to. Yeah, Don't sell anything to anyone. People want to buy things. People want to buy an experience. They want to buy something that solves their problem. They don't yep. want to have someone sell something to them. Yeah. And I know that's, it's like a, you know, you create a buyer's mindset. I'm a little bit off topic here. But no, that's right. Go for adds it. Adds to what I'm trying to say is that I didn't ask anyone to buy from. Yeah. You know, I wasn't trying to sell what we were doing to them. But it was more just about them knowing that that's what I did. They knew that they could come to TC Boxes and that if ever they had an issue, it would just be easier to sort it out. It would be, yeah. And I think that's probably the other learning is be really good when you fuck up. Yeah. Like if something's not right, just fix it. Yeah. Like don't worry about how much it's going to cost you. Don't worry about what the customer's necessarily saying about it. Just be really quick to fix the problem. Yeah. It could be a freight tracking issue. That could be a problem with the product. It could be, um, you know, someone wants to come down on a Saturday because it's the only day they can get there. Like you solve as many uh, problems for that, for those customers in the early stages of your business and even, you know, ongoing I've got a whole team that do that now but that's that's where you get your biggest advocates from yes yeah, customer service how are you able to solve those problems for those people yeah. and the more you're able to do that the more you're able to and it can be a personable thing or it can be a product thing yeah. but both are equally important yeah yeah it's crazy isn't it and like just, yeah, fixing something and owning it as well and being who you want to be. So, and like another thing you touched on, obviously just showing up as yourself online as well at the start. Like yeah. how did you, because obviously it is very easy to get caught up in the way as well of being someone you're not online, especially as well, and just being the face of a company. How have you gone about that and that development of yourself to not worry like, have you ever questioned yourself? Does it wor- Are you worried about other people's thoughts and on you and what they think or not? Is that something that's never worried you? Yeah, good question. Um, there's earlier in the journey, 2016, what was I, 23? Uh, uh, so very, still pretty young, immature, pretty impressionable. Yeah. Uh, I think my opinions or certainly the opinions of me mattered. Yep. Um, and I was you know, at, at the footy club and just trying to, I guess, establish me and who, who I was. And I probably didn't have the greatest understanding of who I was at that point. Yep. Which is fine. At 23, you probably shouldn't have that no, sorted. Yep. I'm, what am I, 29 now and probably still don't have a great, great idea of exactly who I am. I'm pretty comfortable with who I am, but I'm you know, you're still refining those, I guess, what your values are, what you believe in. Um, what makes you tick and you know, to think you've got all that sorted by 30 probably rocks in your head. Yeah, You should always be thinking that you can get better and improve. 
But to go back to 2016, yeah, it's certainly not a full understanding of who I am. Pretty self-conscious and very concerned with what people thought of me and probably what people thought of the business we're running. Yeah. And they are both positive and negative drivers. Yeah. I think if you care a lot, then you're going to produce you know, a really improved product experience, whatever that is. Um, but if you are too caught up in that, it can hold you back as yep. well. So yep. what I've found over the journey is that as I've you know, matured and developed myself as a person that I think I care less about what people think of me, but I still care a lot about what people think of the business. Yeah. Yep. Still um, your baby. Yeah. Well, that's the reflection of me. Yeah. Is the what is those word of mouth conversations and is those um, are people buying from us or are we selling to them? Yeah. Now, admittedly, we have very, very high marketing spends and we, we sell a lot to people in marketing spaces. So in yep. social media and advertising and all sort of stuff. We like to think our message is still delivered in a way that's, matey and not not too sale like yeah just g'day legends or yeah this is what we're you know this is the latest and greatest yeah and that's you just showing up as your authentic self as well and that's what i believe as well like even seeing your social media and then knowing you personally as well yeah like when you're on social media and you're doing a raffle or talking shit like it's just you which is pretty crazy to think like the face and how many people are seeing that like to just i would like Someone's going to come and, as you said, they're going to come and buy from you because they're like, oh, this bloke's, that's just him. Like he's not trying to put on, and you can tell when someone's being someone they're not as well, I believe. Like, and it's just come, it doesn't, it comes naturally to you, you being, or all of us being who you are, not when you're trying to hide behind something and you're acting different or <laughs> putting something across a bit different. Oh, it's just exhausting. Yeah. You think about, yeah. It, you think about it, you. At, at 23, I mean, that's definitely what I was trying to do. I was, I was trying to be someone I wasn't. Yeah. And probably not in the business, but more around social life is I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be, I give a fuck these days. Like, if you yep. want to like me or you don't, that's yep. fine. If you hate me, you're not going to hate me too much. Yeah. I'm not that much of a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> but if you um, have the same value structure or belief system or – um, you know, we share an interest, probably going to get along. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty pretty much where I've realised is that people really only care about themselves. Yeah. When you think about that, I couldn't tell you what my wife wore yesterday. But I could tell you definitely what I wore yesterday. Yeah. If you think about that, every time you've faced with one of those, oh, will people care what I like wear or? Will people care what I look like or people do not give a fuck about anyone else. They yeah. only care about themselves and it sucks to say it, but yep. it's so true because if you can tell me what Jamie wore yesterday. No. Exactly. Sports clothes because that's all I should have gone to the gym. <laughs> what colour were they? No, I can tell you. <laughs> no, but that is the truest form of like people don't actually care about others. Yeah. And they only care about themselves when you boil it down to it's like reality. Yeah. Um, now, I care about people but i just don't care enough to know what they wore yeah and judge them for that i don't care enough to you know for them to have a pimple on their face 
and judge them for that. Yep. I don't care about the, the color of their socks or their shoes or the, it's just, do you have a uh, conversation that's engaging or interesting? Yep. And do you have the same values and beliefs that I do? Yep. And more than likely in a form of friendship off that because you're working towards the same thing as a human. So support people that I think are working towards the same things you are. So yep. um, when you, you, know, you tie that into business, right? So how can you get that across to a broad range of, well, I think we've got 55,000 Facebook followers on our um, Facebook page. So let's say we've got 55,000 people that care about us. Yep. Enough to like our Facebook page. Yeah, that's it. That's all that matters. They couldn't tell me what I said or how stupid I was in our last live video. Yep. They don't care enough. Yeah, yeah. They care about they care about your product. Mostly, they probably could tell what you're trying to talk yeah. about in your product, but and they I couldn't tell what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. exactly. So just be who you are. It's a, yeah. So just be who you are. Don't care about what it actually. I'll, I'll pre rephrase it. Be who you are. Don't care about exactly what words you're saying or what you look like or um, as long as you're true to yourself and your message and your vision, vision's pretty important, yep. the rest will follow. Yep. People will respect that in the long run. So yep. you might fuck something up once. You might maybe offend someone. You might, I don't know, maybe you'll say what you didn't want to say or you'll stuff it up. But yep. you know, Yeah. So it's just be yourself, own who you are and lead with that. And obviously evolving to obviously where you are now and still being the CEO of TC Boxes. When did you just put your first employee on? Yeah, it was in 2019. Yep. And they lasted about three months. Yep. And it was a very good lesson to learn in the hiring process and it's hire, slow, fire, fast. Yep. Yeah, uh, very well used saying, but very true for us is that um, take the time when you're hiring people, make yep. sure they're a good culture fit, make sure they uh, align again with your values and your vision because it's a lot easier um, to bring on the journey. Yeah, If they believe what you believe, if they share your passions and your interests, then it's a lot easier to go to work with them every day. Yep. It's a lot easier for them to go to work with you every day. Yeah. Um, so I've made a pretty concerted effort to build relationships with the people that we've brought into the business. Now, we're at 90 plus at the moment, so I can't be friends with all of them. In yep. fact, I'm going to probably admit something here is there's probably some that I haven't met and yep. there's probably some that I don't know their names. Yeah. So that's pretty daunting is that you're running a business, there's people working within your business and you've never met them and yep. you don't know who they are. Yeah. I mean, that's – but – I know, and this is probably where it becomes really important, is that the people that we hired three, four years ago are the ones that are hiring these people now. Yep. So their values and beliefs reflect mine yep. and Mitch's beliefs. And the people that they're hiring, they have the same philosophy. So they'll end up hiring people with the same values and beliefs. Now, 
not everyone has the exact same values and beliefs, but yep. as long as the core ones around, I think our um, you know, company values, yep, yep. Uh, we really only have one and that's family. And that is, we treat each other like family. We have each other's backs. We, um, we respect family time. And um, when we can get together, it's always a bloody good time. Yeah, That's yep. sort of the basis of our value. And that is, we hire a lot around those sort of values. Like yep. what, it's not what sort of person are you? That's not what we're trying to judge. It's just, this is who we are. Yep. This is who you are and what's the overlap there and are you going to be positive for our culture or detract from our culture? Yep, yep. We made most of our hiring decisions around that and I think about some of the resumes I've seen over the years and they've been stacked with like, high level experience and they haven't met our values system and you just have to put them to the side. Like you just unfortunately can't hire them. And yep. that's, that's pretty hard because you go, oh, it's a great candidate. Yeah. Yep. But you just know that deep down, it's not the right thing to do by them putting them in an environment where they may not flourish. And then it's not the right thing to do by your business either. He's putting someone in who doesn't meet the values. Values, system. yeah. You want right. someone, and as you said, yeah, that, Higher, slow, fire, fast. Like it's a bit cliche, but like it's very true. Like what do they say? You want to like nearly interrogate someone when you're interviewing to be part of what you are. And because as you said, your business is a reflection of you. You don't want someone to come in and they go, oh, this is so-and-so that works for TC Boxes. I hate him. Like, or, like so you want someone to be able to come in and be part of your family and help you. Yeah, and like... Firing people is the worst thing in the world. Like, I <laughs> yeah. hate it. I still do. Um, so if you hire a bit slower, you have to fire a, a bit less. And, um, you know, I've just had some doozies over the years where you've you know, let some people go and you just you – know, it still haunts me. Like, yeah. you, still, you just don't want to be that person. Yeah. It's the last thing you get into business to do, but you have to be extremely protective of the culture and, I guess, more in turn, the values. Um yeah, obviously a lot of podcasts that we both listen to talk yep. about values and um, culture and a big one for me is the um, Real AF uh, with Andy Frisella and I listen to that pretty much religiously and he yep. talks about that a lot where he um, he bangs on about you've got to um, have people within your company that protect your culture and we've got across every layer and every state and every, yep. you know, people protecting our culture so um that's more or less my job these days is yeah people that's what they say <laughs> yeah and and all your problems are people but they're they're good problems because people just care yeah um they care about their job they care about what they're trying to achieve and it causes a bit of tension and every now and again that tension boils over yep. you just got to be the one to play good cop bad cop like, yeah or or um uh, goalkeeper, essentially, yep, like yeah, yep. yeah. Spot fires. I'll, I'll allow this to, I'll allow this to influence me, and I won't allow that to influence me. Yeah, and vice versa. And then all of a sudden, you've got a pretty good understanding of what's actually happening, and then you can make a judgment call on that. I mean, yep. fortunately, a lot of our judgment calls, even with the size business that we are now, are just, just it'll be right, mate. Like, yeah, just let it play out, and 
the more you let it play out, the better off you'll be. Yeah. So, so and obviously in saying that as well, like you having to hiring your first employee then and then obviously firing them after three months, what did you have to do to obviously probably become a better leader or even fully understand the hiring and firing process? Yep. So this was a guy that walked in off the street yep. and um, just wasn't a – there's a reason people walk in from off the street looking for a job. Yep. I think that's the reality of that situation. Um, sounds pretty shit to say that though. No. Yeah. I mean, They're still want, trying, but you yeah. Actually, you actually want people to do that. Yep. I mean, if, you, if you have a problem in your life, do everything you can to fix it. Yeah. So that's what this guy was doing and he got employment out of it. So yep. well done to him. I think we had the, and this is what happens a lot in business, is that you hire in pain. Yep. You say, oh my God, we've got so much to do and not enough time to do it. Let's just get someone in straight away and they'll fix all our problems. Yep, yep. Just doesn't work like that. Like, yep. Absolutely doesn't work like that. Um, you, you might get them in, they might solve your problem for a couple of months, but if they're the wrong person, oh, like watch your problems multiply in the months to follow because... They haven't fixed the whole... Well, they might have fixed the time hole. They're going to fuck your culture and yep. your bloody other staff will see that and all this sort of shit. Like, yep. it, it actually makes things worse by just hiring in pain. So it's a frustrating part of growing a business is that you have to be really mindful of when you're hiring people and not to hire in pain and probably for the first three years we made that mistake of hiring yep. people and only in the last sort of couple of years we've been able to just relax on our hiring and have more considered timelines for hiring people yeah um we went through you know, really good processes for our first warehouse manager and you know had 50 or 60 applicants five or six interviews and found a guy that um, still works for our company he lives yep. in the Northern Territory. We moved with his family to the Northern Territory. He moved apartments and he still works with our company because he understands and we align so well on values. That's what I mean about, like, and it's a good story because he was our warehouse manager and he used to hate dealing with customers, right? Like they come in and I know that sounds at odds with values, right? But um, it, the values for me is about, like the interactions, but just the person when they're saying nothing. Yeah, yeah. Is the you can just sense it. The aura, who they're showing up as. Yeah, and yep. he was this just larrikin guy that used to just knock about, get along well, understand what we were trying to achieve, and just just got it. He still gets it today. Anyway, customers used to rock in, and he'd be fine if they just wanted their product and leave. This the moment they asked for it to be unwrapped. Just went to water like ah, oh, like arms went up. He just cracked the sands, and you could just see it in his like demeanor. Yeah, and like, a couple of times I had to point him out. I said, "Mate, like, who cares if they want it unwrapped or not? Like, it doesn't matter." He's like, "Oh, I don't know about the time it takes, and then I got to put it in the bin, and oh, they, oh they, and then oh, I just don't understand why they want it unwrapped." I was like, "It doesn't matter yeah. if they want it unwrapped or not. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't. It actually doesn't matter. Like, I don't care if it takes an extra ten minutes because the customer gets what they want. Like, yeah, yeah." Oh, but Mark, you and your ego in a customer interaction does not matter at all. I'm always going to side with the customer. Oh, all right. And never, since that moment, just never complained about customers. Yeah. And so that was a good learning for him. But anyway, full circle, a couple of years later, he's still a warehouse manager. He decides to move to the Darwin with his family. 
quits his job, moves up there, and about three months later, I'm um, talking to him and he's banging on about he um, he's getting a job at Bunnings and this and that and hates it and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, why don't you come and work in the customer service team remotely? <laughs> Just yeah. spitballed a like, yeah. r- random idea out there. And I was like, he hates customers. I don't know how this is going to go. And he is fantastic. Yeah. Because he just understands who we are, what our values are, what our relationship is with the customers. And he's able to work remotely from the Northern Territory dealing with our customers right around the country because he just gets it. Yeah. That's a bloke that we just took three months to hire. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. I guess the resumes don't matter. Yeah. You want them to align to what you're trying to achieve. Like you want them to bring um, a skill set in yep. ideally, but who they are, what they believe in, what their values are is way more important. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Have you had to obviously do any sort of work and self-development on yourself? Obviously, have you gone down that road as well? Uh, I was perfect. Yep. Yeah. So I um, was born perfect and am still perfect. <laughs> That's good. No, all right, no. okay. <laughs> no, mate, so I, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm an overthinker. I'm a horrible overthinker. So yep. um, very self-critical, very um, in my own head, which I'm uh, very aware of, which is great. That's probably the biggest part of the journey is just being self-aware, knowing that you're probably getting a little bit too far ahead of yourself maybe or yep. um, you're – being a dick or you're being a good guy and you mix all those together and yep. um, you just got to be happy with who you are at the end of the day. So yep. I'm pretty happy now and I think I've got the balance right um, between being you know, confident, which takes a lot of, I think, ego to, to drive that confidence. Like yep. you, you need to think you're pretty good to be pretty good. Like yep. You can't yep. just think you're shit and be pretty good. Yep. Um, so you need a little bit of ego to... Be a, I think, be a higher level human yeah. and, and to lead really well um, and to be confident in doing so. So yep. I think they talk about ego being um, who you think you are. Yeah. And um, confidence is what you actually are. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, it's a way to show up as yourself. Like, and as you said, you've got to be able to s- not sell yourself, but be confident in what you're about and not sort of if you you're going to someone that's trying to sort of they're showing who you are and they are and if you're sitting someone's looking down not looking at you talking to themselves not you're not going to buy off them you're going to buy off the person who's more interactive with you as well yes yeah definitely and yep. yeah that's you know body language type stuff like, yep. yeah yeah the way you hold yourself is more important than the words you say yeah that's ridiculous but yeah um yeah it's just human nature and the more you understand about that, I guess the more you can engineer it to your benefit or the more you can, I guess, conduct yourself so that you are perceived better and in the long run, you'll just be better. Yep. So um, a lot of behavioural stuff for me is just you have to practice. Yep. You have to practice, have to practice, have to practice and then it becomes second nature. So you, know, well, you want to be good at golf, hit a million golf balls and then probably your swing will be all right. Yep. Same thing with being um, a good leader. Have a million conversations with people about themselves. Yep. 
then you'll know people. Yeah, yeah it's like what they say oh, with public I'm, speaking, isn't it? Like, I'm up to about 10,000, so yeah. <laughs> 990,000 to go, and then, yeah. I'll be, uh, uh, then I think I'll be a good leader. But yeah. that for me is the crux of it. Um, so, you know, you're talking about self-development. Uh, yep. I've uh, been a big consumer of the program called The Entourage, yep. um, which has helped me, um, I guess, understand business and business structure, business journey, so like yep. more business development, but they tie in self-development into that. So um, I had a um, sort of life coach there for a bit. Um, he moved to the Gold Coast, so um, I, I sort of switched over to a bloke from the entourage and we sort of do a lot of one-on-one stuff. He's meant to be a business mentor, but pardon me. Uh, I use him a lot for uh, you know, self-development. So yeah, um, and more recently, so as part of our journey, we've brought on some investors and stuff and whatnot over the last couple of years, probably three yep. or four years. And one of those early stage investors has been um, a very uh, pivotal part of my personal journey so he's been uh very like he was a um he was the ceo of a five billion dollar company so you think about the leadership skills it would require to run a company an organization of that sort of size yeah uh he's instilled and devoted a lot of his time into me uh and just give me feedback and guidance and a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of help in in just who I am and how I conduct myself and yeah, really crafting yep. myself into a, a a good leader. I yep. mean, he had good incentive to do so. Um, the better leader I was, the better his investment was going to be. Right. So, yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's probably the underrated part of business. Really, yeah. is yeah. that you should put yourself in a position where people have to back you. Yeah. Like, A, it's really fun because I get you get really good buy-in from those people and people um, that are investing in your company, they're not investing in your company. Investing in you. Yeah, big yeah. time. So um, they know that a company is only as successful as its, as its people are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... No, no, knowing that now, I wish I knew it back then because I could have like reversed engineered it a little bit better. Yeah, but got more out of it. <laughs> yeah, the, the hindsight thing and the the insights I have now as yeah. to how all that sort of stuff works is is awesome. But yeah, yeah. he's um an instrumental part of my journey. Um, so yeah, I've got a few to thank for I guess where the business is at. Yep, but like I still think. What am I? I'm 29. Yeah. Um, and I'm in a very privileged position in life where I've had this turbocharged business growth that's meant I've had to turbocharge personally. Yeah. What I'm struggling with, I think, is that the biggest struggle for me is at 29, like the imposter syndrome side of that, Yeah. it's actually pretty significant because... Yeah. Like I said before, I'm still figuring out who I am. Yeah. Like I'm, I know I'm, you know, 29, three young kids, used to go right at footy, um, could obviously figure out business kind of well. Yeah. But 
my values, I know what my values are, like very much family orientated, very like I value deep connection. I value um, you know, good times and you know, prosperity and um, generosity. Like I value those yep. traits, but I don't have values written up on the wall at home about yep. who our, who we are and what, what I am and I don't live by any higher standard. Yeah. I'm just a human. Yeah. I'm just I'm just a bloke. I just exist. And yep. I don't do much. I don't say much. I don't I don't actually try and be anything. You just I think the the least what I, I think is a trap in, especially in today's society is people are trying to be something. Yeah. Be someone you're not. Yeah, it's like using a social media sort of again, you what do they say the you're probably a good example as well, in a way of like the ones who try to look rich aren't rich. Like Yes. Yeah. Which is very like it's it's a weird one to say and probably touch on a few people and make a few people jump out. But like yeah, the ones that try to show it too much are the ones that are actually aren't there. Like Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a Oh, I mean, part of the learning as a person that you that I, I've been through um, is that people with money never talk about money. Yep. That's that's a unwritten rule of wealth. Like, yep. if you get two people worth uh, five hundred thousand at a table, most of their conversation will be about money. Yep. If you get two people worth five hundred million at a table, it won't be mentioned once. Crazy, isn't it? Like just the way to think of it. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, no, like and your network is your net worth. Like, I believe as well. Yeah, I mean that's one of one of network sayings, isn't it? But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that is that is true, mate. And like, I think about you know what are the contacts I have in my phone now versus what are the contacts I had in my phone seven years ago, and I've got 20, 30 people in my phone now that have achieved way more than I've achieved. Yeah, have um, had more success. Uh, have l- just been around the block a few more times than I have, yep. and I'm blessed. I'm yep. actually blessed to have that in my life. Like to be able to talk to these people for three minutes, three hours, um, whatever it is, is just y- you can't do what I'm doing without those people in your life um so if you don't you know if you're speaking to someone that's really successful one day and they don't tell you that then they're not very successful yeah 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 and it's crazy as well isn't it like as you said you've got to speak to some pretty high level people now these days and it's just yeah it's crazy how everyone else's mindset's different um obviously you mentioned as well andy fasella as well and i know you've completed 75 hard and cool. gone through that um which is fucking that's a big goal on its own man like it's not an easy easy gig i've tried it once and got to i think got the 30 days and couldn't get any further um i think i've just completed 275 easy so <laughs> might be might be, this might be the test to get back into it and go again no, Who knows? It, it's funny you say it. i think for the last six months i've been saying every monday i'll i'll do something about it but um You've just got to own that as well. Yeah. Like I'm very comfortable with the fact that I've been a lazy motherfucker yeah. for nine, ten months now. Yeah. I've not done anything physically for 
10 months. Yeah. I've gone on a few walks. I went on a run once and I rode my bike with my son a couple of times. That's about it yeah. for 10 months. Yeah. Now, I know that that's not okay. Yeah. I, I know that I can be better than that, but I'm also self-aware enough to know that I know that. Like, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a there's knowing there's knowing what you're doing and then there's doing something about it. I just know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not at the stage where I'm happy, I'm, I'm willing to do something about it. Um and that's maybe a, a reflection of me at the moment, but um you know, there will come a point in time when I'll do something about it and knowing that I can do seventy five hard and lose seventeen kilos and look like bloody I don't know, sports illustrated front cover. Yeah. Is very empowering. That's yep. also the other side of it is uh, it allows me to take the piss more, I think. Yeah. Is that yep. knowing that I can in 75 days can fully transform my body has been a bit of a backboard to be like, oh, well, fuck, it doesn't matter. I can just yep. have a drink here and eat shit. And like, I think I'm 115 kilos now. Yep. At the end of the challenge, I was 97. Yeah. So. Crazy, isn't pretty it? Good, yeah. Pretty good weight gain. And I think I started the challenge 113. So oh, there you go. I'm uh, I'm the roller coaster of weight loss. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So at least you gave it a crack because yeah, it's not a something easy to get through. Like it's a fucking <laughs> no. Well, I think you're filming this, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can, um, if you want, I can send you the before and after photos of 75 hard, just because they'll probably see this and say. He's a fat shit. There's no way he ever did that, which is fair enough because my cheeks are a bit chubby and things are pretty bad at the moment. But I think, um, yeah, what – and what Andy talks about is he goes, I fucking hate it when it gets called a challenge. It's not a challenge, it's a program. Yeah. And yep. you learn a lot about yourself, your discipline, your mental toughness in that 75 hard process. And if you can do it, you know that you're – you have what it takes to do it. Yeah. So for me, it's been more about that. It's not the physical side of it. I, didn't, I actually didn't find the physical side of it that challenging. Yeah. Yeah. It's mental. I started July the 4th last year and finished September 17th. It just happened to be EDFL grand final day and we lost by a point. So <laughs> um, I had 75 days of like brilliance, like as in personal brilliance to reach a crescendo moment. Yeah. And I didn't intentionally time that. Like the, yeah, it's I was, just no one knows they're going to make a grand final halfway through the year, right? So, yeah. um, and I thought, I've got to do something. I'm, I'm overweight. I'm, I'm borderline depressed. I wasn't playing football at the time. Yeah. And I had a mate reach out to me at, uh, at, a, at the Bull and Born footy club and say, mate, come play. Like, we need it forward. And I was like, mate, I'm so fat. Like, I can't actually move at the moment. Like, it's going to take me a while to get fit. And yeah. he's like, it's all right, we've got 10 weeks, you'll be fine. Anyway, sure enough, 10 weeks later, I'm the fittest I've ever been. And I couldn't have given any more on the day and I didn't feel like a passenger. And that was yeah. the biggest fear I had coming into a season halfway through with a bunch of blokes I didn't know. Yeah. Is that yeah. what was the perception of uh, me going to be if I just rocked up and just went through the motions and took the yeah. piss? Like, A, what a dick move. Like, yeah. you've just taken someone's spot in a team that's successful and – you haven't given your all. But B, I actually owe it to these blokes. Like they've, they've invited me into this inner sanctum without doing any of the work. No, I'm going to put, I'm going to beat, well, feet on the street, actually pound some metal for a bit. And by the end of that 75 days, I don't, 
all their respect, built my own being, realized that I had the discipline required, and we lost the grand final by a point. Yeah. And I was devastated that we lost the grand final by a point. So fucking proud of myself, though, that I got to the day. Yeah. And was physically not hampered. Yeah. So that was, I was like, you know, the yin and yang of life, right? You yeah. can't have everything <laughs> your own way. You've just, you actually got to go through some adversity to, to be successful. So, um, you know, if I had won a grand final uh, in you know, September last year, it would have been like the ultimate time of life. Uh, yeah. We'd you know, probably fill the listeners in on a little bit of the journey for TC a little bit more here as well. But you know, we've recently been majority acquired by a private equity firm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you talk about personal success. I mean, that was last year. Yeah. Um, I would have had. Uh, let me go right back here. Yeah. You talk about seventy five hard mental toughness. I can't. Yeah. I can't not talk <laughs> about this. <laughs> so we're moving to a shed on our property that we bought three years ago. Whilst we're building a house. In November. 2021 i think we moved in anyway the construction of the house took nine ten months and we lived from november through to july in the shed at uh, at the property whilst the house was getting built now the, the house wasn't completed until september so we made it till july it was that fucking cold every day. We had the three young kids in there. And I was just like, this has to stop. So we went and lived with my mother-in-law in a three-bedroom house. And it was horrible. But we're going through this transaction process with a private equity firm. At the time, we're living in the shed whilst building a house. And I thought, fuck it, why not just do 75 hard whilst all that's going on as well? <laughs> Like, <laughs> just add something else in the mix to make it a bit more of a challenge. What an idiot! Yeah. Like, so, I'm I'm displaced from home. I'm I'm homeless. I have three young kids. We're in a three bedroom house with three adults and three kids. Like you do the maths, doesn't quite work. One of them is my mother in law, so I can't really sleep in the same same room as her. Um, so we're in the lounge room floor sleeping there for like three months while the house gets finished. Yeah, like yep. what a shit show, and. Um, I'm out at 6am going for a walk I'm doing a gym session at bloody 11 at night I'm bloody working my ass off during the day trying to get this due diligence process done and like it's a bit not many people will probably go through that but it's just a it's a pretty much a tier one accounting firm so like a PwC or an EY or a KPMG all these tier one accounting firms and they are just poking holes in your business and asking you to prove things so that the deal can go through without any, I guess, insecurities from the buyer. Yeah. Yep, so yep. Um, did you actually sell this thing to that person? Yeah. Can you prove that this person is, is uh, did you actually have this many items in stock? Can you prove that? Yeah. Yeah. Did you um, actually do this much in revenue two years ago? Can you actually prove that? It's like, uh, um, uh, yeah, here's the. Is this what you're after? No. Okay. Maybe this. All right. Yep. Yeah, so you have to just go through this whole process yeah. for like three months. And I did 75 hard at the same time. I was swimming. I was footy. Oh, mate. It was just nuts. But knowing that I can do that and get through all those stresses 
I think that's why I've put on 18 kilos in nine months because yep. everything after that's felt really easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's getting, getting the, what is it? You get comfortable and getting that struck, don't you, as well? Like, yeah, it's getting uncomfortable as well. So nearly be something to, might have to bring it back. 75 hard might be on the, on yeah. the schedule. <laughs> I think what I didn't do and what I should have done is I did it by myself. Yeah. I was, and I liked that in that moment because I didn't have time for anything else. Yeah. But I would believe the experience would be better shared. Yeah. Um, you know, involving other people in the journey and growing together and having that as a shared experience would be more beneficial, I yep. think. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously with obviously getting that side of the business acquired by the um, shares and that kind of stuff, did that, what made you want to go down that route? Was that to create the business to get to that next level you wanted it to get to? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, a balance of a heap of different yep. um, drivers here, but you're talking about uh, a once in a lifetime opportunity to secure a bit of personal wealth. Yep. Um, which is, you know, I actually kind of feel a bit uneasy talking about that. Yeah. Because no, I right. feel like it's, it's not the intention. Yep. It was yep. never the intention, but it's a byproduct of what happened. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, once in a lifetime opportunity to create a bit of personal wealth and free up what was restricted wealth yep. into cash wealth. Yeah. And be able to leverage that into some other interest areas in my life. Yeah. Um, which was important to me because yeah, hundred percent. You know, three young kids, a wife. Yeah. I want to look after them. They've spent seven years, six years at that time just everything behind me supporting me doing like what what you probably need to go through is that um for you to work 60 hours a week someone needs to be there supporting you yeah like you can't just do that sustainably over a long period of time yeah without the support yeah so um yeah the support ne networks i had i need to reward them and that was part of that decision but the other part was uh, I guess leveraging their financial capabilities to grow our business quicker. Yeah. And I would rather own, and I've always had this mindset, and I think this is probably really important as well, is I would rather own less of something that's bigger than own more of something that's smaller. Yeah. Yeah. A, there's less stress. Like, yeah. I mean, if something that's bigger fails and you own less of it, well, I guess your exposure to failure is less. Yep. If you own everything of something that fails, well, your exposure to failure is more. More, yep. So um, that was a pretty big driver is that I knew that they had the um, capital to put behind us to, to allow us to grow and grow quicker. And we had a – and we still do have a, a market that is right for one player to go national and take up as much market share as possible in the next sort of three to four years. Um, and recognizing that, I thought, you know, this is probably the right call for us to make. I've actually sort of maintained a, a shareholding that's reasonable. Yep. Like yep. It's, not, it's not too small that I feel like I'm insignificant, but it's not yep. too big that I feel like I'm overexposed. Yep. Um, it took away all of our um, director, I mean, not director liabilities, but our personal guarantees. Yep. So, I mean, at the point where we sold the business to the private equity firm, we were on the hook for about $8 million in liabilities. Yep. So, 
that's rents, banks, um, yeah, just a heap of different personal guarantees that you give to a heap of different vendors along the yep. journey. You you don't realise at the time, but through the due diligence, through the due diligence process, we actually learnt how much we we're on the hook for, and that scared the living bejesus out of me. Yeah. So all of those personal guarantees are gone. Yeah. And we can just focus without the burden of worry or concern on hypercharging, hyper focusing the business to growth. So. Uh, with that mindset, yeah, it has allowed that yep. thinking. So, um, probably big takeaway, and probably the one of the things that I've learned along the journey is, yeah, own less of more, yep. and own more of less. Yep. Yeah, and something you've always probably wanted to do, as you said, like you put a lot of time and effort into something, and you probably neglect the family side in a way. It's like you need to give back to them as well because they've gave you a lot over the last seven years. Yeah. And you think about it, if you own 100% of something, there's less minds, less expertise, less everything going yep. into that, whatever yep. that is. Just yours. And I hate to say it, but no one's that good. Yeah. Like not one person can create an empire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, look at people like... Elon Musk and you go oh my god what a great human and he is he's an awesome human super smart built things just so focused on the end goal it's not funny but he hasn't done it himself no. uh, billions and billions of dollars in investment and um, you know his investments along the way have been very sound he's made a lot of money a lot of it's his own money but to him the money's not important it's no. the end goal that's important yep. And getting to where he wants to go to is the most important thing to him. Yeah. Now, I saw this as an opportunity to get to where we wanted to go to. Yeah. Now, will I always be the CEO of TC Boxes? Uh, very unlikely. Now, I think maybe I've got a three or four years in front of me. Like yeah. that, that would probably be realistic. Um, and if we didn't sell, we'd use our own capital and our own guarantees to get to probably where we are right now yeah so in the last 12 months we've just launched like yeah um i think i mentioned at the, at the start we've got eighteen thousand squares under roof i think at the time we just had packing them yeah so we, we'd it, throughout the process we launched sydney so they um as part of the process well sorry we might have had sydney in the pipeline but yeah. executed it during the process sorry yeah and then we've um, launched Brisbane, about to launch Perth, about to launch Newcastle, and we have another nine stores in the pipeline. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And this is all a extension of the vision that I created for the business six months ago. And that vision six months ago was an extension of the vision that I created six months before that. Yeah. It's probably another thing that you could, I guess, draw out of all of this is that I didn't start in 2016 with the vision to what you are now exactly yep. so you'll never reach your vision you'll never no. reach your goals it always just gets bigger yeah <laughs> and again if you meet someone that's successful and they say oh yeah i grew a company and it, it got to the exact vision i cre i wanted for it <laughs> yeah they weren't fucking successful yeah yep. it's not the goal the goal yep. is to always have a vision of something that is very hard to obtain. We call it goals, call it a vision. It's a similar thing. Yeah. Um, 
that are very, very hard to get to. And then as, as you're approaching that vision or goal or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, just move the goalpost further away and or, or further out and just keep going and going and going until you have this massive thing in front of you and you're still not there. Yep. You're still hungry. You're still driving yourself and you're still rocking up every day pursuing either business or personal excellence or a bit a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's always saying, yeah, you're never fully satisfied. It's like even like the bodybuilders say, like you have that body dysmorphia of like you're never happy with how you look. You always want to be bigger. Like so it's same as in business nearly as well. Like you, you, you saying something? <laughs> <laughs> nah. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, you always <laughs> <laughs> always always going with it like you just need to yeah you gotta your vision's got to be bigger than who you who you are like and once you get to that point you want it to be bigger than yeah who you are as well well you yeah we mentioned elon musk before but i wonder if he's always had the intention to go to mars or if that was like an extension of the vision to get to space or get yeah to well it's probably stemmed from something like He's got to somewhere and then gone, oh, well, what can I do next? Yeah. Like it's always, you always think, I believe, like you always, you get to your goal and then you think, well, I can do that. Like as you said, like from your business just being in Packingham now, it's in a few states. Like you get to that point and then you go, well, what can I do next to level up? Like you, if you sit at that threshold, you're never going to be satisfied. And as you said, the ones that then say they got to their vision and they were satisfied, they're the ones that are not successful. Well, yeah, and... It sounds odd, doesn't it? Because you go, oh, they achieve what they set out to achieve. That sounds successful. But your success shouldn't be defined by one outcome or no. a defined outcome. Yep. It's like winning a game of football. I'm talking about it in terms that the our listeners can understand. Talk about you win a game of football, great. It's a a lot of feedback you got. You obviously your systems worked, your structure worked. You were coached well. You performed well. You got a lot of good feedback. You lose a game of football, same thing. Yeah, you just get feedback. One's positive, one negative. Hopefully, you learn some negatives from your from your win. But anyway, um, then you win. You win enough games to make the finals. Cool. There you go. Part of the part of the journey you set out to achieve. You're, you're in the finals now. You've got a chance to make the grand final. You make the grand final you win the grand final, you're successful in achieving an outcome that 10, 11, 12 other teams tried to achieve. You are yep. the team that achieved it. You're successful, 100%. But are you defined by that success? No. No, shit, no. Like, yep. how can you possibly say that winning a grand final or um, selling your business or... Um, yeah, achieving single items of single items, single events within your life. Yeah. Define success. Yeah. They're just a you. You get to the end of your life. A lot of people talk about, um, you know, life is a sum of all your memories. Yeah. Um, or your success, or whatever you want to call that, but you know, that is true. It's not. One, it's not the individual items that get you there. It's how you line them up. Yeah. To get a whole lifetime worth of wins. And all, 
the for the first win, you think right back to when you're a bloody baby would be to talk or to walk or to stand yeah. up or all that sort of stuff is your first win. Yep. Like your last win before you leave this planet, you think about Bill Gates. He's just given $60 billion away. Yeah. Something stupid. Like that. I'm talking hearsay here, but um, that's his last win. Yeah. Is how can I make everyone else's life around me better and I'm going to work every day to make sure this, this happens. Yeah. He's going to die wanting to make things better. Yeah. Yeah. For everyone around him. Yeah. And he's going to not feel successful because he hasn't helped enough people. Yeah. Hasn't yeah. spread enough love. Hasn't been a, as good a human as he possibly could be. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. They're the most successful people on the planet. Yeah. And they're still, but you can still see, as you said, he literally just gives it away because he wants to be able to achieve something else to still not chase our success, but he still believes he's not successful probably deep down. Yeah. And oh, wow. you know, I'm talking about the two most successful people on the planet, really. Um, a few others out there, but um, if you dial that back a level, I don't think I'm that successful. Yeah. Now I've had some success. I've lined up some events that have, you know, on a, on a line of what success looks like, what success looks like and what it doesn't look like. I'm on the side of what what it looks like. Yeah. Still don't think I'm that successful. Yeah. Just created a business that did well. Yeah. Now me as a person, I've got a lot of work to do. Me yep. as a father, heaps of work to do. Me yep. as a husband, heaps of work to do. So, yeah. Um, you know, want to get better personally as a leader um, in business. You know, there's so many areas of improvement that will come that I will think are more successful than any financial yep. outcome from business. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it, like it comes down to as well. We obviously, your mindset as well around what success looks like. And some people just think having lots of money is success. But for us, and I believe like that's not, that's just a byproduct of who you are. Um, and it just shows that's a part you can succeed in, but to be, as you said, you got room to improve in all other aspects of your life, which is pretty amazing to have that self-awareness as well, to be able to realize really who you want to be and understand that as well. Cause you've had success in business, but as a father and a, husband like all that aspects you've realized how much you can show up better there but you why the last seven years of your life has set you up probably now to buy that time to be able to have success in those areas yeah that's hit the nail on the head there yeah definitely yeah um yeah, you work your ass off and you, know, you get some results and you work your ass off some more you get more results i like the gym mentality like you just you just see results you just get better results and yeah you get fitter you get stronger but you put it in so much fucking work yeah and i think what will happen and this is the hard bit for me is people will judge me on what my life looks like but not the work that i did to get there yeah um which look if i said it bothered me i'd be yeah i it doesn't it doesn't like yeah the people that say that sort of stuff, you go, well, they just obviously haven't been through the through the journey. Yeah. And yep. maybe one day they will and they'll appreciate what it takes to get there. Yep. Um, what bothers me about it though is I don't want that to be the perception of me. Yeah. And it's getting back to that 
do, do you care or do you not care? Um, and that's still part of my makeup is that I don't want people to think that I'm just a, a bloody rich prick who doesn't care. Yeah. That's certainly not. Or has all these nice things that didn't work for him or, oh, he must have inherited that money. And like, yeah. All, yeah. all the shit that everyone yeah. thinks. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I always say, like in all aspects of everyone's life, there's always something that's going to make you question what you do as well, which is probably good in a way because it makes you realise, but you've got to understand what else it stems from as well and have that own self-worth. Yeah. And like, I think I know who I am yep. and what I give to people and um, I do that without advertising the fact that I do it. And yep. only very few people know what that looks like and what that is and... Um, I'm very comfortable with that because they're the people that probably actually care about their opinion. But you know, it's like the you if you it's like the people, the football players in the media. Yeah, just negative press, negative press, negative press, negative press. All of a sudden, the, you know, the either their form drops or their form has dropped, and then it gets worse, and then self-fulfilling prophecy that of course yep. it's going to wind up being this negative outcome for that person where they have to reinvent themselves to get out of it but I think about the coaching wheel that's just happened like Stuart Drew just lost his job yeah. because the media said he should go yeah um, like that's pretty hard to deal with I mean, imagine if that happened in our lives yeah how would yep. we respond to uh, constant criticism of our character and of our person um, and who we are and what, what we believe in or in our, even our outcomes in life and people judging you on your abilities and they don't fucking know you. It's yep, like, yep. hang on, mate. Uh, I wouldn't cope very well with that. No. Yep. no. I'd be like very combative and I have a combative nature and very emotional. I have emotional responses and don't uh, conduct myself well when challenged. But yeah. I wouldn't do well in that environment. No, so. yeah, it's only it's made for the sort after. Usually, I believe like it's not. It's a stressful environment to be in that side of things when someone's such a critic on your back, probably as well. So, is there anything else you got in the works or coming up at the moment? Yeah, so um, I think you know, business wise, we're about to open a store in Newcastle. We're not far from WA, so um, yeah, that's always exciting, mate. I'll, I'll just mention that we're turbocharging the growth of the business. Yeah. Obviously, we're mindful of the times that we're in. It's not always straightforward out there. Um, you know, there's a bit of a tightening of the belt in the broader economy. So, um, you know, we're mindful of that and trying to balance our growth with maybe some tightening of our own belt. So, yep. Our, yep. our cost savings across our OPEX line and um, what that looks like and you know, just what we can do and what we can't do. So, um, it's pretty cool at the moment, mate. We've got a uh, Sydney 4x4 show that we're exhibiting at today, tomorrow. Um, and, you know, I'm not there. And we've just got a host of you know, people and um, you know, team that are out there spreading the word of TC now. So um, you know, that that's the pr- I think that's the thing that's changed the most for me, really, yeah. in the last sort of um, – couple of years is that you know you used to be the person driving absolutely everything marketing yep. sales you know, the lot you just yep. drive everything and now um i very much am the keeper of the keys mate i just you know have a meeting with our head of marketing or head of sales and yeah um, they provide me with the updates on how things are traveling and you know we make fairly considered decisions with broad data and not you know 
so I started. So, yeah, I mean, we're just going about growing the business uh, sustainably and, yeah, just trying to make every post a winner as far as market share and whatnot goes, mate. So yep. um, we're probably six to 12 months from launching a, um, yeah, a new suite of products. So it's probably um, it's pretty exciting for the business um, to have that c- coming through. I think we've had a pretty consistent range of products now for four to five years and you know, it'll be obviously a reinvention of the wheel that's been created before it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be a new look, new feel, maybe some new features and a little bit more in, in line with what the market's demanding in today's environment. So Yeah. And do you believe like, obviously you mentioned there, having like meetings and keeping data and everything and obviously relating this to trades as well, obviously ha- keeping tabs on your data, has that been one thing you've sort of had to do probably with the growth you've had? And obviously that's where I see people even in the trade industry there. I think everything's going to be a brain note and they don't remember anything after you've had a meeting with them or told them something like, do you keeping data has been the biggest thing you've uh, had to learn or lean on or have you always been a data person? Oh, I've, I've always been a data guy. Yep. I value it 100%, but um, I'm a brain note keeper myself yep. and it's notoriously stupid. So yep. <laughs> um, don't keep brain notes uh, yep. would be the 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 message from me. No, mate, everything's about data. Um, you know, There's a million and one marketing statistics out there return on ad spend marketing as percentage of sales um you know cmis ceros you know heaps of different um metrics that we track yeah and these are metrics that i make business decisions with yeah um you know we have full budgets we have buddy org structures we have everything that we need to make really considered decisions, we have. Yep. Now, did we have them three or four years ago? No way. Like yep. I wasn't running the business like I'm running it now where yep. I was on top of absolutely everything, almost every single sale three or four years ago. Right now, I'm on top of none of that. Yeah, I, ha- I have a budget. I have an org structure. I have um, a marketing, uh, a once a month marketing report, a once a month sales report. And if something's outside the budget it gets questioned if something's outside the org structure if we hire outside the org structure i question it what why did we do that what's the intent yep. can you provide me with a uh, return on investment for that employee yep. reality is if you're not saving the company money or making the company money what fucking value are you yeah so um i always ask for a return on investment report for any new hires and if they're outside of budget because i'll obviously know if they're what their return on investment is if they're inside the budget. Yep. And uh, when you think about marketing and sales plans it's uh, or, or reports, it's you know, how do we perform? What's the market telling us? Um, yep. You talk about negative word of mouth or positive word of mouth. If our marketing costs go up, is it a um, is it a tightening of the market or is it a negative word of mouth? Yeah. Because it could be both. Or it could yep. be one, it could be the other. Um, I will expect to have an idea of that from our head of marketing. If our sales are up, great. What's the drive behind that? If our sales are down which they sort of have been against budget the last sort of three or four months is why? Yep. Why are they down? Are we not marketing enough? Is our marketing channels poor? You know, what's the feedback loop to marketing? What are our people saying about us? And that'll all feed back to the most important one, which is product. Yep. So get your product right, you win forever. Yep. yep, yep. And obviously saying that with data as well, how 
and obviously as you would have done in the first like instincts of the job and growth happens obviously over the time of being able to let go of those things as well of like you said two or three years ago you knew every in out and now you've got you've had to empower other leaders i would say to you got one person coming to you that's probably got a, their, the marketing team's got a team under them um, oh, like how's yeah. that going to be something that you've had to let go of in a way which i obviously going through with like work and everything but like trying to empower others to see what you see yeah all i know is that someone investing 100 percent of their time on any area where you're only investing 20 will kick your ass every fucking day of the week doesn't yep. matter how good they are because they'll learn five times faster than what you will about yep. what to do and what not to do yeah period you just can't be good at everything so be good at nothing is how you should lead a business because if you can get someone that just loves marketing lives and breathes it and believes in what you believe shares your vision holy shit your marketing will be good yeah doesn't matter who they are what they do what knowledge they have just as long as they know the tools how to use them um they'll learn pretty quick yeah like just get people in that learn like that uh, but yeah, I mean, to talk about letting go, as long as you're letting go to people that have that same veracity and um, want to really achieve in in that thing, can spend 100% of their time really owning that part of the business for you, Yep. fucking do it. Yep. Rip the band-aid off, hire those people and you will be forever grateful because you'll get all that time back, that 20% of the time that you were giving to marketing. Yep. Go put that somewhere else. Yep. Go put it into wherever the problem area is in your business. After you've hired that person, you've got them happy, they're... Sweet. Now you can't do it straight away. You gotta, you gotta build it, build it, build it, build it, build it, and then hand it over. Yeah. And then when you hand that over, don't do what I did and just throw people in the deep end because sometimes they drown. Um, you know, give them a bit of support, help them out, and uh, before you know it, you know, six, twelve weeks later, you'll be completely removed from that function of the business. Yeah. And all you'll get is a monthly report on how it's travelling. Yeah. And it's yep. fucking awesome. Um, yep. All of a sudden, you're not worried about intricate details of your marketing and this and that and everything else you're just summarizing what impact those marketing efforts have had on your business yeah and then you make a ten thousand foot view decision on your marketing efforts yeah not a day-to-day decision or an hour-to-hour decision which i was making back in the infancy of the business so yeah um you know I love talking about it because it just brings up all these memories of like <laughs> things. I remember like Boxing Day 2018, we had this Boxing Day promo and I spent the whole of Boxing Day on my phone replying to people because it was like the most busiest time we've ever had and we're just making sales out of our ass and I was like, yeah, I'm better off here. Sorry, family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, that obviously doesn't happen these days because yeah. it doesn't need to happen. We have enough systems in place to be able to yeah. deal with that. But um yeah, that mentality, I think, is really important. Yeah, yeah, having that sort of hustle mentality. I also remember a couple little golf trips or golf days were on. Steve was on his phone in the cart, quickly checking sales and replying to emails when you had to. Because I remember a few. I think it was a Queen's. Well, it was a Queen's birthday. One of them, I think, is had a sale, and I can't remember oh, what day it was. Yeah, that was, down at, um, that was down at that was down at St Andrews yeah, Beach. Yeah, I think well, it was one of them. Yeah, you're check, checking up, making replying, and that just Australia shows. Day. It was Australia Day. It was Australia Day. Yeah, yeah you had yeah. an Australia Day. We had an Australia Day promo. I set it up in the morning before going to the golf day. Yeah, and I 
was very mindful about the amount of marketing dollars I'd applied to the day yep. and the amount of return we we're getting on investment. And I needed to be able to, because I think I put like five grand of Facebook ads for the day. And I was trying to achieve about 100K in sales. Anyway, yep. sh- long story short, I think it was 5K turned about 250 of sales. So I was yep. like, what a great day. I played golf at St. Andrews, done nothing for the day and then had 250K worth of orders to go back to on, uh, I think it was a Tuesday or something. Yeah. But, um, so that was awesome. But um, yeah, it was just, you yeah. always have to, yeah, you're, you're always on. As, yeah. a business, as a yeah. business in its infancy, you are always on. And then um, in the last sort of, Couple of years, um, you're always on still, but you are accountable to the people, yep. not the process. Yeah, yeah, and you got those so, people around you, and you yeah. put those systems and items yeah. in place to be able to have that. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you're twenty four seven to the people. So, yeah, uh, our head of marketing calls me at midnight because there's something wrong. I, I'm there. I'm there yep. for him, and that's that's as a even a, as a business owner at a million dollar business, um, that's what you should be looking to achieve, because you don't need to be a, you know what we are to to do that yeah um so yeah yeah that's crazy it's a pretty powerful story you've got there and you've told us so far and i think we might nearly wrap it up there we've splurted on for a bit i reckon gone pretty crazy from obviously yeah telling your story from as we said started from the shed yeah getting kicked out of home nearly is anything else you'd like to dive into um oh man i'm I'm pretty happy with what we've shared today, but yep. um, I hope you edit some of the bloody waffling on. Nah, um, leave it all in. Oh, God. <laughs> got to, as we said, got to be authentic, be ourselves, couple, couple coughs, splatters, a bit of everything. <laughs> a couple of times I bloody, you know, I think I dropped my phone and had some moments there, but um, yeah. I think, mate, from my perspective, just thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm pretty proud to share our story and um, I think if I could leave the you know, listeners with anything, it would be... Um, that anything's possible because if I can do it, I'm sure as shit anyone else can. Yeah. Um, it's not a, yeah, it's not a uh, privileged road. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to come from anything. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to be, you know, no success in business is pre-made. Yeah. It's the fucking best thing about it. And it's just go, and get, learn, develop, listen to your audience. If they tell you one thing, do it. Go back to them with what you've learned. If they tell you another thing, do it. Go back to them with what you've learned and hone your craft until you're the best at what you can, uh, best version of your product or yourself that you can possibly be. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty proud, yeah. I'm fucking really blessed to have you on too, man. I appreciate you giving up your time as you're a very busy man. Um, yeah, and thanks for coming on, telling your story. I really appreciate your time. Oh, I've just spent a week in Port Douglas with the kids, mate. Anything <laughs> to get away from them on a Saturday. <laughs> That's it. Nah, thanks, brother. And yeah, don't forget, like, subscribe, and we'll be getting after it. Let's get it. <laughs>